Super Talk Mississippi media production. Welcome to Weekend Gardening with your host, the empress of everything green, Nellie Neal. Garden Mamas on the radio now to answer your questions and call you. Hello, baby. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the end of July 2021. How hot is it at your house? Is your air conditioner working? Both of these questions have been the conversation anywhere you go this week. Somebody's going to ask you, how are you doing? Everything okay? And the next piece, of course, is, uh, is your air conditioner working? Let's see. Um, Greg has already sent us a shout-out on the ceasefire text line. He is headed out while it's still cool, ha-ha, <laughs> to help his brother. So we say good morning and good for you. And, yes, if, you, if you're going to get it done today, folks, early is better than later, I believe. I do believe. And if the garden needs some attention, well, let's talk about it. My name's Nellie Neal. I am known as the Garden Mama, and that is the greatest title I have ever had. Well, besides, you know, Mom and Mrs., but that's my personal life. My professional life, Garden Mama, is absolutely the best title I've ever had. Thank you very much for deciding to make me part of your listening pleasure today. Perhaps you're watching in on supertalk.tv. That's great, too. I'm happy to say um, you will see that I have on the thinnest white cotton shirt that I own because I have to go a couple places after this show, and I don't want to be overwhelmed by the heat. Now, here's the thing. You don't know you're overwhelmed by the heat until you are. So if you're outside, even when you're drinking plenty of water and going to the shade as often as you can and just doing the minimal things in that middle part of the day, if you get a headache, stop. Okay? If you suddenly can't sweat, stop. (laughs) All right? There's several things you need to pay attention to, and one of them is the signs of heat trouble. Um, having had them all and having rescued other people from them at times in my life, I can tell you it's no fun at all. So let's talk about it. 888-808-8637. That's the Super Talk call line. And, of course, the ceasefire text line is 601-879-4395. I'm glad that uh, Greg has that as they would say, carved into a piece of important furniture so that you don't forget it or lose it. <laughs> and, uh, don't do that, by the way. Don't do that. Ooh, big news this week, friends. Lots of stuff going on. Um, I, I have been enjoying some seaweed snacks. Um, I don't eat them by themselves. They're too salty for me, but I like them cut up into other things like rice dishes and stuff. And, and it reminded me that I had read this, so I went back and grabbed it from earlier this month. Um, I don't know what this is about, but I'm fascinated by the idea. We have so many areas now where we are farming seaweed because it is such a healthy addition simple protein all the qualities that it brings to our diet and because there's so many ways that it can be used but do you think about kelp as much in terms of its life i don't know maybe it's sex life well now we have a genetically engineered male strain of giant kelp, because that makes more kelp, that can produce its own eggs. So we, we, we have a future here. And for everybody who's ever wondered about these things, yes, I think it's strange, but it, it is um, giant kelp can, in fact, be male or female, like most animals and most many, many plants, not all of them, but many of them. But the, the, the si- simple fact is that 
they're closer to acting like ferns, perhaps, in the sense that they have two very distinct stages. The sporophytes are what we mostly see, okay? That's the vast underwater forests that, you know, you see in, when you're in the ocean or you're scubing or you're watching, I don't know, David Attenborough or somebody, Jacques Cousteau, so, some, uh, some underwater thing. And that's real fun. But interestingly enough, what they did was to work on this so that they can get it to continually reproduce itself. And that's what they're trying to do because they, the Max Planck Institute in this case, um, the one for developmental biology, is hoping to identify and describe this really, really surprisingly um, V-chromosome dominant, and it really does present as mostly female even though it lacks that particular chromosome. The whole point, of course, is to make the kelp make more kelp. And any way they can do it, they're going to work on it. So having found this example, it's like anything else. We, we talk about the changes in living things, carbon-based organisms, okay? We talk about how a plant suddenly has a leaf on it that's white. How did that happen? Well, unless the plant has been damaged, it's a natural event. It's a chimera. It's, it's a genetic modification. But if you can propagate it and keep it going forward, then that chimera becomes either a cultivar or another, some named version of that particular plant, either a cultivar or a variety or something. But it's hard to know when you see variegation where it comes from and how it happens. So I, I think that would be interesting to talk about if you are into that today. We can talk about the variegated plants that you like, maybe some of the ones that we don't like so much. I don't really have any trouble with variegated plants, but I've got to tell you that I still have that thing when I see a plant that is entirely yellow, even when it's bright yellow like sunshine ligustrum or something, and you, you clearly know it's not sick, it's a perfectly happy plant, I, I think, what is, what, what, oh, and then I look at it and I go, okay, that's supposed to be that way. But it's a, it's a second thought type of plant. It's a second thought one. Some folks are harvesting herbs right now. You might be into that at this particular moment. And if you are, I got to tell you, this is not, you know, we're okay, it's hot and dry across our, our region, but it's not going to stay that way. And the humidity, the heat, all those things really do go against drying herbs in the classic way that we see them done in books and movies and even in our friends' houses in other parts of the country. Um, if you can get, for example, um, you might see that the basil is trying to form a flower. You don't want it to flower, of course, because you're all about the leaves. But that's going to be its most pungent point. So if you really like, for example, in the Thai basils, the red leaf basils, those things, they are really, really spicy when they get to that point. So if that's what you're looking for, and I certainly am, that's the, the t- time to do that picking. If you miss it, don't worry about it. Just take the flower off and keep picking. But the highest level of, of real taste and pungency is going to be in that full-grown but not yet flowering herb. Um, by the way, essential oils in those herbs, if you're, you're picking particularly to harvest, they're, they're concentrated in the morning. And as the day goes on, of course, they're, they become more volatile and you lose some of them to the heat. So it's, it's real important um, to understand that you've got to leave a few leaves, especially in a hot spell, so that the plant can continue to photosynthesize. I'm really a a fond, uh, I have great fondness for freezing the herbs that I want to store. 
And I think it's one of those things that you need to explore if you haven't done so before. I didn't mean to rhyme all that, but that it, it came out that way. There are a lot of people who, like me, freeze basil as ice cubes and keep them through the winter. I, I took out the last bag of them and, and made a basil vinaigrette that was really strong. I could probably cut it in half with more vinegar. But I kind of like it. It's nice on top of the fresh tomatoes. Still haven't made the mozzarella cheese. I'm going to do that one of these days, but, but not today. Not today. Nobody that I know freezes parsley. I know people who who, who do. I've read about it and, and even um, seen it happen. But around here, because we grow parsley through the winter in the south, we, we plant uh, – my seeds are, are going now, in fact, to be planted in the fall – we tend to have parsley all the way through early summer. And at that point, you might freeze some. Um, you might, I don't know, I, I pick all the ends of it if I can. And sometimes then the plant will actually start growing again. But this summer has been not a good one for parsley. Um, I will tell you, however, and I know I can I can tell I'm going to get some comments about this today because I did not get it posted. But um, sometimes... Sometimes things bloom when you don't expect them to, and sometimes things don't bloom when you do expect them to. I am reminded this morning of that particular fact by a story from uh, about a friend of mine um, in the New York Times. My, my friend Jeff Lowenfels is the longest-running garden column writer in the United States, probably the world. Okay, um, he is a really interesting fellow, and I encourage you to to read the article if you if you have a chance to do that. But um, he's been writing this column for forty five years, and part of what he does, of course, because that's what we do when we write columns, is to keep up with what's happening in the garden or in the general area in the, the you know in the garden there in Anchorage where he lives, and in the other parts of Alaska. He um, moved from New York. And he tells the story here about going after his grandfather's funeral to dig up the daylilies that his, his whole family gardened for years, I mean, always. And they dug up the daylilies and took them to his dad's house, to his home, his family home. And when he and um, Judith moved to his delicious, beautiful wife, Judith, um, when they moved to Alaska, they took some of them with them and planted them. Well, they never bloomed, of course, because the season is not right for them, but they did live, live and they came up in, with green leaves every year. was never warm enough to actually put on a flower until this year. And uh, he's a grown man, 72-year-old, retired lawyer, brilliant, brilliant jurist, um, and terrific garden writer. And he said it actually made him cry. Now, I want to know from you. You don't have to tell me. Just tell yourself. When was the last time a flower made you cry or a plant made you cry? Um, I have a friend who went to great lengths to root a peach tree and gave everybody in his family cuttings of this peach tree from their family home. All of them died except one. And now they make a pilgrimage <laughs> to that relative's house to appreciate the peaches. I'm sure they pick them and eat them, too. But because the tree reminds them all of home, they've, they, they have an event there each year to, to celebrate it. I think that's kind of what this will be like if it continues to bloom. Um, Jeff and Judith and their, their kids will continue to appreciate that daylily. I think that's a really good story. It unfortunately also tells you about the changing climate, probably more than you want to know. But... 
It is a difference. It is a difference. 888-808-8637 is the Super Talk call line. 601-879-4395. I, don't, I forget to give out the number, and people tell me later that I don't give it out often enough. So I'm going to try and do better. I'm always trying to do better. You know, your genetics are something that people have studied. I have a friend who's a, a, a retired um, Ph.D. person who studied that his whole career. Um, another one who taught it in I'm I'm fascinated by what they know that I don't know. And there's a lot that they know that I don't know. The latest, though, has taken us back into the gardening takes guts department. And by that, I mean um, the University of Notre Dame is, (laughs) how do you even do this research? It's just wild. They worked on 16,000 gut microbiomes, okay? That's a lot of work, particularly when you consider that it's from a long-studied population of baboons in Kenya, in the National Park um, there, the the Amboseli, which is apparently a beautiful, beautiful place. But what they are developing is the understanding about how those gut bacteria are shaped genetically. And I had never heard this reference. I'm sure it's been made before, but I just had not heard it of our gut microbiome as being the ever-changing rainforest of bacteria that lives inside of us. Um, I think that's an interesting thing because, you know, it does ebb and flow and it grows and it diminishes and it rains and, you know, so forth and so on. But interestingly enough, um, it is primarily affected by our lifestyle and more than other factors. In other words, what you eat, the medications you take, those sorts of things, that um, what you're exposed to in the environment is also a factor. But they've now found a much greater genetic component than they had really understood before. This published in Science, which, of course, is, well, a big journal called Science. They, the, the interest, Interestingly, the seasons, the age, and time all change this genetics to study. The, as they have looked at this population over all these years, what they have found, 14 years' worth of a population, you know, it's a couple of generations of baboons at least, and what they've been able to see is how these changes happen. And what they have determined is actually not too unobvious, but maybe not obvious to everybody. The environment plays a bigger role in shaping the microbiome than your genes, but we've now understood that there's a greater balance between them, um, which would, of course, explain why some people who, if a whole group of people are, for example, exposed to something dangerous at work in an industrial accident or something like that, that environmental situation is going to shape your microbiome. But if your genetics are stronger than in the, in the resistance to that sort of thing, you're not going to be as affected. Same thing is true the other direction, however. Um, let's look at it this way. If, for example, you find that you have this tremendous love of apples, and so you eat apples all the time, and that's supposed to be good for you, apple a day, all that sort of thing, you are playing a role But if you happen to be a person whose genetics do not allow you to digest apples, then it's really not going to your advantage. So the two things work together more than we had thought before. And this particular um, interesting tells us that before, no more than 10 or 13 percent of microbes were heritable. But now it's actually an awful lot more. They also had to go back and study the studies. I tell you, y'all got patients that can do that. 
to go back and wade through other people's data and other studies' results and, and, and factors and how that thing all went together and decide whether or not it was, first of all, a mainstream-type study, that is to say it was peer-reviewed and can be tested again and replicated. All right, those things are all important in the scientific method. But it's also true that things have to be understood. So it, I don't know if you, if, you, if you read my writing, and I'm, I'm glad you do, those of you who subscribe to the newsletter or who used to read my column when I had one um, in the Clarion Ledger before they stopped doing that. I didn't stop. They stopped. Uh, before, all of those sorts of things, any of my books, of course, you know that I take great pains to write in conversational ways. When I first started being a writer as a younger woman, I was told that I was too friendly. I was not academic enough for someone of my education when I wrote. I said, but I'm not writing for other academics. And so over the years, of course, the style of that, my style's probably tightened up a little bit, and their willingness to have conversational writing done is also very much going in the other direction. By the way, this week in the Garden, All Things Garden Mama Weekly, I'm um, entertaining you with the round leaf conspiracy that is out to get your lawn. So if you're curious about that, or if you want to talk about variegation some more, or if you just want me to quote Sandra Bullock to you, I've got her birthday quote coming up. There's so many things to talk about. This is, in fact, a really important point at the end of the summer garden. we got to get ready for the fall garden. Let's talk about all of that while we listen to this love song, all right? This is Weekend Gardening. So pure, it's the morning too. The rail go low, it's Friday too. Oh, I they talk and say, come on, what killed me, baby? Your business may not be a Fortune 500 company yet. You've worked hard to grow your business to where it is today, but are the manual processes that worked when you were smaller now eating into your man hours? As an iSolve network provider, MWG Employer Services can help you save time and money by streamlining the processes of administration of your HR, payroll, time, and benefits, as well as training your personnel to efficiently manage your human capital through one platform. Want to find out more? Visit MWGEmployerServices.com. If you're building a new home or remodeling an older home, Amazing Propane is for you. A propane tankless water heater, a propane generator, a propane gas grill and oven, propane fireplaces, even lighting. Propane, such a versatile, clean, cost-effective source of energy for any home. Propane, clean American energy. Visit MSPropane.com to learn more. I struggled with symptoms like frequent gas and stomach pain for years. I was bloated all the time with daily diarrhea. At first, I thought it was what I was eating. I kept thinking it was stomach issues. So I did my research and talked to my doctor, and we finally uncovered the truth. It, it was, was actually EPI. Exocrine pancreatic insufficiency, or EPI, is a condition where your pancreas is unable to help break down your food. 
It can lead to symptoms like diarrhea, gas, bloating, stomach pain, unexplained weight loss, and oily stools. And EPI symptoms can be confused with those of other common digestive conditions like irritable bowel syndrome, Crohn's, and celiac disease. So getting to the right diagnosis meant being more open with my doctor about the severity of my symptoms and how often they were happening. But there's good news. EPI is manageable, so don't wait any longer. Use the symptom checker at identifyepi.com and schedule a visit or call with your doctor to ask, Could, could I, I have, have EPI? EPI? Sponsored by AbbVie. The best made-to-order lunch in Northeast Jackson is at 4th & Gold Sports Cafe. Homestyle plates full of catfish, shrimp, and rib tips, just to name a few. Eat in or carry out, DoorDash or Grubhub. Call 769-208-8283. Once again, 769-208-8283. I'm Andy Gibson, your Commissioner of Agriculture and Commerce. Come shop the freshest locally grown fruits and vegetables, meats, and other farm-raised products at the Mississippi Farmer's Market every Saturday from 8 to 1. While there, you can grab breakfast or lunch at the City Limits Cafe and shop our new Genuine Mississippi store for unique items made right here in Mississippi. The store is also open weekdays 11 to 1 every day. All this at the Mississippi Farmer's Market, 929 High Street in Jackson, right near the fairgrounds. Y'all come see. The Mississippi Wildlife Extravaganza is back and better than ever. This Friday through Sunday at the Refuge Conference Center in Flowood. Featuring appearances from the Swamp People, David Ellis from Yacht Yacht, Son of the South, Josh Carney, The Big Buck Contest, Jason Reynolds, High Flying Retriever, Casting for Kids with Brad Case, The Youth Archery Range, Seminars and Demonstrations on Game Prep, Fishing, and more. The Mississippi Wildlife Extravaganza is back this weekend, indoors and outdoors, at the Refuge Conference center in Flowood. Research shows moving is one of life's most stressful events, but thanks to two men in a truck Ridgeland, it doesn't have to be. We have everything you need, a professional team who will customize your move, a schedule to fit your convenience Monday through Saturday, and all of the necessary moving supplies, including free padding and stretch wrap to protect your belongings. Don't stress, let two men in a truck handle your home or business moving needs. Visit twomenandatruck.com for a free, no-obligation estimate. No Drip Roofing and Construction. The name says it all. All types of roofing and construction. Your certified, certainteed shingle installer, family-owned and operated for over 20 years here in the Metro. No Drip Roofing and Construction. 601-371-1051. Welcome in. I've been thinking about you all week long, my friends. You know why? Because gardening is what it's all about. And I've been wondering, are you out there turning on the sprinklers? Are you out there watering anything? Or are you just looking out the window and going, gee, I wish those plants wouldn't wilt? <laughs> now, this is the time when you know the difference, discover it one way or another, between good soil that has been worked and that is deeply hydrated and therefore has roots that penetrate down into the soil where the water is a little bit, and those that not, because we have literally had rain, 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 rain. Things have stayed too, too, too wet. Now we've had a dry week. Well, guess what? Things are literally drying out. That's a surprise. And in places where it, it dries out 
even more over this weekend with the heat, some people are tempted not to water. I don't think you ought to go out and stand there and water your lawn, for example, unless it is a new lawn, in which case you better be watering it, or if it's a lawn that has been somehow damaged. Um, maybe you had insects, maybe you had a fungus disease previously, and now you're trying to get it to regrow. So in other words, unless you're trying to get really brand new grass, this is not the time to be overwatering. One inch per week is not that much relative to how much we have had. So put your finger into the soil, check things out before you start just watering randomly because it's hot. Um, even the hydrangea here and there might wilt a little bit that doesn't need to be watered because it will recover in the evening. And at this point, if it's never done that before, it's not a problem. Okay, I will tell you that this hot spell, wet spell, all this stuff has just been absolutely wonderful for the limelight hydrangea in my front garden. It, it, it looks like a candelabra. It's just spectacular. But it also has overgrown the rows that used to be next to it. So I'm not, I don't know what I'm going to do about that exactly. Maybe they'll just kind of bloom together and be okay for a little while. But um, the, the question is always, do you start pruning when something's actually too big? No. You might cut a few flowers. You might take a little of the weight off of the plant or get a little more sun to the rose that you're trying to get to bloom next to it. But don't do a bunch of heavy pruning now. Enjoy the flowers and just figure that things are going to move right along for the, you know, we're, we are looking at different, we're looking at some rain coming up. We're looking at a different, more summery, typical forecast. And believe me, considering how the rest of the country is burning up at literally on fire in many places, um, it, it's, it's something. I'm, I'm just going to say this. I lived in California, and I loved it. One of the things I loved about it so much was the fact that you could go from the beach to the mountains in an hour and a half. I mean, literally, you could be skiing, okay, and drive down the mountain and go swimming, go surfing. I never did that; those two particular things on the same day, but you, the, the change, the, way, the ability and the number of growing zones makes it such a fascinating place for plants. Well, much of it's not like that anymore. Much of it is with, for example, people saying, I'm going to move back to Mississippi, or I'm going to move back to where my family was from in Arkansas, or I'm going to move somewhere that we're not having to evacuate every year for, for fires out of what used to be a town. Okay, this isn't the middle of nowhere. This is places that have just, between the drought, the deforestation through insects, and as well as fire, and all of those things put together, it's making it very difficult, particularly for gardeners, um, to continue. And that's we're, we're going to see a lot of change, many, many more people in the southeast. So just get ready. They're, they're going to be looking for what to do, and that's going to be what to do. Trust me. Good morning to Ken. Good morning to John. <laughs> yes, John, the duckweed is thriving. Woo! That's quite a picture. Thank you for that. Um, I have to tell you, duckweed's one of those things. It's so pretty, you just wish it wasn't such a choking, nasty plant because it's so pretty. It's lovely, lovely, lovely. Now, listen, y'all, I'm going to tell you this, and I'm going to tell it to you now because if you hadn't heard it already, this is a study that I'm sure is going to be all over everywhere if it's not. Uh, it, it just came out, I think, Thursday or something, so it hadn't quite made it to the, the, the mainstream media yet. You know this if you have a dog. If you tell the dog that you're on the you're going to the store right away to get food and you don't come back for three hours, the dog looks at you and says, I know you've been lying. They don't speak out loud, most of them, 
but they will let you know that they know you lied to them. And in fact, in studies, dogs know when you're lying to them. The University of Vienna has found that dogs can sometimes pretty much tell. This is in the Proceedings of the Royal Society B. Uh, they describe the experiments with hundreds of dogs, and adult humans really have... Um, Adult humans are traditional in we, we make mental judgments about other people, and a lot of that is, is this person telling me the truth? Is this person lying to me? We, we do our own sorts of facial recognition. We understand that. People, that's how human beings have survived this long. You can't believe everything that comes across your head. Now, with doing this with 260 dog volunteers... It's the same with dogs. They found that the dogs ignored... The, what they did was to put two identical situations there. One with food, one without. You know, you get the reward or you don't. And then they put the dogs through the tests, put the humans through the tests, too, of saying, here's where it is, help yourself. And pretty quickly, the dogs knew where it wasn't. It didn't have smell, wasn't a vision or a smell or anything. They had to get to it. They had to go through the different space. But they could tell when the person was lying to them. Um, I it's interestingly, as an aside, they noted that he, they did humans under the age of five previously with this thing. They've also done with macaques. It's interesting research. But the, the children and the other animals were more likely than the dogs to follow the advice of the obvious liar. <laughs> so that's, to me, that's probably the big takeaway. And that's the one that will lead to science experiments and research and data from a million kids, I'm confident. Now, something else on the dog front that you really need to know, um, if you are a person who, like me, really appreciates the work that shelters do and tries always, if if there's an animal, if I'm in a position to get an animal, my life, most of the time, people bring them to me. I don't, you know, all my life, I said, here, here's your, this cat's for you. You need this dog, whatever it is. But um, from Ultrek University, Lots of dogs, thousands of them, in fact, end up in this one shelter in the Netherlands. And they are looking at an increase in that because so many people adopted pets during the pandemic while they were at home. And now when they're going back to the office or something, it may turn out that there's shelters full of dogs. That's not the way to adopt a pet. We all know that. okay? But a lot of people did. Um, What they've done is to take a look at how the experience of being in the shelter um, really does need a little help, need a little conditioning to get used to it. For any dog, it's different from where they've been. Even if they've been out on the street, they're not accustomed to the cages and the people and the routine and the lights and all that stuff. So what they saw was they, they measured the hormones in the shelter dogs, and they found that in general it takes seven to ten days for them to calm down enough to even be there. They, it, it, they, they need to be isolated and introduced gra- gradually to the other dogs in the shelter. I, I don't think that's such a bad idea. It, it's the same thing that we would say you want to make sure that the dog's not sick. You want to you know, test them for parvo and do all those other things. Some of those things are done in, in isolation, too. Wow, that's just beautiful. I'm looking at such gorgeous pictures today. Let's see. Um, what is the name of this weed, and what's the best way to keep it from returning? It looks like mulberry weed, and the best way to keep it oh, is to pull it out before it sets seed, because if it sets seed, you will have it again and again and again. 
Um, I have some of this one. I see. Looks to me like you have Gerber daisies. That's nice. Nice leaf. But I have. Um, I've literally been pulling these out this week. They are one of the plants that in the really hot, humid summer, they'll come up in a flower pot and you don't even see another one. But suddenly it's six inches tall. You have to go pull that one out. Gripe weeds the same way. Um, but the, but thank you. That's a good one to bring up. Good old mulberry weed. We have two or three weeds that we don't really think about in the summer. We're, they're, they're lovely plants, but they come up and they're not where we want them. Therefore, they are weeds. And this is certainly one of them, um, especially because it recedes so prolifically. It's just crazy. Um, yeah, I think he's right. John says that cats know you're lying. <laughs> just look at you with that drop dead. <laughs> <laughs> you might be right about that, John. Beautiful storm, though. This is gorgeous. His 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 work is so lovely, 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 lovely. Um, oh, caladiums are on sale. I saw them this week at a garden center, and I know they're on sale everywhere. It's that time. Grab some. This is not an expensive plant, particularly now. And believe me, ordering caladiums next year is going to be an expensive experience for you and for the nursery and for the grower. So they're all going to be more expensive next year, but if you take them now and keep them going through till till frost, you know, till they drop their leaves, you'll be able to store those bulbs, store those caladiums. You will be the most popular person at next year's plant swap if you have sprouted caladiums cuz they're going to be very dear. There's a lot of things like that that have to be shipped over a long space. Um, I think we're going to see more and more garden centers going to, for example, going back to where they raise their own bulbs because it's too expensive to order them in the pots. But that in turn takes more labor and you know takes more intensity. It's, I'm not, they're not they're not going to be cheaper, but it's going to be a different way to make them to maintain them. I think. Um, and I have to say, there, I saw some of the prettiest caladiums. I I was wishing that I had a a shady bed ready for them yesterday because they're they're so pretty right now just a lovely lovely plant if yours are going into bloom cut the flowers off so it's the same thing is true of elephant ears and any any of the aroids the ones that put up a spike and have a little spave you know a little little white cup of uh the around the seeds along a stem go ahead and cut those off that those are nice it's great or pretty but it goes against the development of the leaves, which is what we're trying to do in this particular case. Okay? Okay. I did not know. <laughs> There's so many things I didn't know. Coral is such a fascinating thing to me. Those of you who have listened for a long time know that one of the reasons I'm so fascinated by coral is because I inherited two pieces of it and I feel terribly guilty because I know it was harvested and we shouldn't be doing that. But these were harvested at some point I don't even know when, but they were given to my great aunt after World War II, and they came to me through her. Okay, so it's not—I mean, it's not anything I can do anything about except appreciate the jewelry. Um, now we are looking at. The, 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 here's the thing: what happens, of course, and this is particularly true of the most colorful of our algae that we love so much. Things are getting bleached, and they're getting bleached because the ocean is warmer. Um, there, there's, but what happens is they can no longer have the symbiotic relationship that they need to have with their algae. Therefore, the coral themselves, of course, lay down the calcium carbonate skeletons, and that builds the reef 
but they can't do that unless they have the algae because the algae live there not only to put in the color but also because they give go back and forth with building blocks for photosynthesis and nutrients so what they tried to do in Japan, and I'm so happy they did this, um, Okinawa Institute actually it has, is reporting the research. They have observed the individual, what we call the stony coral cells. That's the ones we, we think of when we, when we think of coral as a, a rule in the Western world. We think of the fancy ones that are all branched and brightly colored. That is stony coral. And stony coral, of course, um, is inhabited by microscopic algae called dinoflagellates. That's why it works. Well, they started making them, and they started trying to find a way to help the algae get more of them because they have stopped. They exclude them when the bleaching events happen. And the good news is this essential relationship can be relaxed and ease some of the strain by the addition of this. They have now observed the individual stony coral cells just chomping them, engulfing the the one-celled photosynthetic algae. This is a big deal. It would have been fun to be there at at the point, you know, to see something um, exciting about it because it's so different from what we have expected. We didn't really think there were solutions to this other than the things that I've reported to you here. The efforts to change the way the coral experiences the temperatures by, by some baffles and some other things that people are trying. But if this would work, I think that might be the one. I like it. Anything we can do to get those coral reefs happier. Victoria has a Meyer lemon tree that was transplanted in a red solo cup. How do I need to trans that was planted rather? How do I need to transplant it and care for it? Um, the ginger root plant dep- depends on what kind of ginger. It, I guess this is edible ginger. Takes about a year. You can grow it in a container or in a pot. I'd leave both of these in a container for now, but I would move that Meyer lemon up from a solo cup to about a one gallon can. Okay? More to come here shortly. And yeah, this is the weather forecast. Stick around, it's weekend gardening. Prevention providers such as insurance agents and doctors are necessary, but they're not free. Another is 811. By calling 811 before you dig, pull a stump, or erect a mailbox, you could be preventing a call to 911. This service is free, and free is a beautiful thing. Hello, I'm Sam Johnson from Mississippi 811. Call 811 two days before you dig, and let's have zero damages, zero injuries. Y'all listen up. Have you seen all the litter on the sides of our roads? We need to all do our part to fight litter. Put trash in its proper place and make sure items in your truck beds are secure. Remember, trash blows. Secure your load. Please do your part to keep Mississippi beautiful. Learn more at keepmsbeautiful.org. That's keepmsbeautiful.org. Remember, always protect the road. Secure your load. 
Gulf Seafood Outlet. Fresh Gulf Shrimp. Gulf Seafood Outlet. Fresh Gulf Oysters. Gulf Seafood Outlet. Your Fresh Seafood Headquarters. Gulf Seafood Outlet. Highway 51 in Ridgeland, just past Lake Harbor Drive. 601-790-9407. From luxury hotels to homeowners, Bath Fitter in Ridgeland will exceed your expectations. Your beautiful new bath and shower are made with the same high-quality materials used in luxury hotels and installed in as little as one day. Bath Fitter in Ridgeland will provide the bath or shower custom designed you've always wanted with no heavy demo or weeks without your bath area. Visit bathfitter.com where you can design Design your own bath area and book your free in-home or virtual consultation. Bathfitter.com. This hour of weekend gardening is brought to you locally in part by the Tractor Store, your Mahindra dealer on Highway 49 South in Richland. The Tractor Store is proud to sell Mahindra, the world's number one tractor. The Tractor Store, your farm and lawn equipment destination. Hey, this is Jimmy Primos at the range in Gluckstadt. I was surprised the other day when I got a phone call asking if we sold guns. We sell lots of guns. We have the largest selection of firearms in this area, including over 100 AR-type guns priced from $5.99 on up. We also just got in a huge shipment of ammo, including such hard-to-find calibers as .380, 9mm, and .223. No limit on quantity and no inflated prices. Check out our website, rangebyjimmyprimos.com, or like us on Facebook. Since 1871, Gaddis McLaurin Mercantile in downtown Bolton has been providing everything you need. Everything for your house, fencing, plumbing, flowers, lumber. Everything for your animals, dogs, cats, birds, chickens, cows, horses. And everything for your patio and yard. Bayou Classic Cookers, Wind Chimes, Orca and Pelican Coolers, along with Surrender Fire Ant Killer. We have most everything. 150 years of serving the community, family owned and operated. Gaddis McLaurin Mercantile, downtown Bolton since 1871. We'll see you soon. month long we're celebrating the red white and blue with huge savings to you at mazda of jackson that's right nothing is more american than shopping for a great deal and we're offering some of our best ever on our new vehicles throughout the month of july get 0.9 percent financing for 63 months on new 2021 mazda cx9s that's right 0.9 percent financing or choose 0.9% financing for 60 months on new 2021 Mazda CX-5s. Plus, you get your first year of oil changes on us. Credit problems? Not at Mazda of Jackson. No one works harder to get you approved than our team of credit specialists. 100% credit approval is our number one goal. Have a trade? Bring it in. And we'll give you top dollar for it, even if you don't buy a vehicle from us. And as always, buy with confidence with a 20-year, 250,000-mile powertrain warranty from Mazda of Jackson. So come celebrate the red, white, and blue and save big while doing so. Only at Mazda of Jackson, where nobody walks away because everybody saves. Our all-new state of the our facility is located at 5397 I-55 Frontage Road North in Jackson. Call 991-2222 today. Must have Jackson.com. But approved credits like Mother's for details. Welcome into Weekend Gardening. You know, 
It's a weird thing. Um, sometimes somebody asks a question, and I'll know the answer is somewhere in something, and the, a couple of days later, I find it. It's it's just a, it's incredible. It's not even necessarily something that I wrote, but I do have that kind of mind that tries to search for what's already in there, as opposed to going and looking for something else. Well, this week. Um, on the monthly Patreon Zoom with my, my patrons, my friends, y'all, we love you people there, uh, the intergenerational Zoom with my daughter where we talk about everything plant-related. <laughs> Frankly, you know, she's, she's going to be a better gardener than me when it all is said and done. But she brings the questions from people that she knows, and also we have some questions that are sent in to us, and people that are in the Zoom also participate. Love to have you join us. Um, that would be fun. The the question this week was about ladybird beetles, and, and a friend of hers had just released some, and he, she wanted to know what I knew about them. And I thought, well, I know they have to have a plant that they're going to settle on, but I don't know that much about the actual release because I've never had to do it. I've read about it, and I know somewhere somebody wrote about it. Sure enough, my, my dear friend uh, Lily Singer wrote about it, and I'm, I'm happy to tell you that I found what she wrote, even though it was in... Uh, whew, 1997. <laughs> I do have an archive. What can I tell you? Um, anyway, if you're releasing ladybugs into your garden, ladybird, beetles, ladybugs, here's a couple of things you need to bear in mind. First of all, 30,000 ladybugs can handle 10 acres. Okay, so you don't need to buy a million. <laughs> if you've got one backyard, 10,000 is probably enough. An ounce will contain 1,500 ladybugs. That's really plenty for a lot of, for a small garden, okay, because they're going to multiply. It's also best to release them in the late afternoon, right after sundown. If you dampen the area first and keep it mulched and moistened, that's going to help them give a place, give them a place to hide to keep cool. Now, I have seen my ladybug, you know, I have a ladybug population. Um, I have two roses that I grow that they basically live on. And I noticed today, this week that although a couple of the branches of the rose aren't doing so well, there's no aphids on it. I clipped them off, and that it dropped into the mulch and looked in. There they were. The ladybugs were hanging out, trying to keep away from the bad, hot, steamy weather that they really didn't need. Um, when you wonder how to put them out, because you get a get them in a box. It, sometimes it looks like a Chinese um, restaurant takeout, a, a little small container of that sort, cardboard container. So. Don't don't throw them out there like seed. Instead, put them by the handful at the base of plants, and go you know go about three feet apart and put them at the base of your plants and let them go ahead and find their way. It's uh, pretty quick. They'll lay eggs in about two days, and if the weather is warm and sunny, duh, they'll they'll be 15 days um, before the, that generation is able to begin work. So watch for them. They're fun to watch. And not only that, they're really beautiful, beautiful creatures. They do such good work for us. We appreciate them. I am not a big fan of ryegrass. I do have to say I have seen it done and have been tickled by swaths of perennial ryegrass, particularly planted over lawns that were going to go dormant to spell out, you know, Hale State or LSU or Will You Marry Me or some of those things. That's clever, very clever. Um, but it, it's a, it's a, it, it's also nice if you if you overseed your lawn with it, particularly if the lawn needs a little help in the root department. The perennial rye will send lots of seed, lots of roots rather in there, 
and help break things up, keep things going while the, the lawn is dormant. And it's bright green when your relatives come to visit at Christmas. So that's kind of nice. But I don't think of it as a weed. And therefore, I, th- I think of it, you know, people do cultivate rye grasses. There are, for, for rye, you know, to make bread, there's, there's, there's cereal rye, and then there's perennial rye, and then several other kinds. But I just don't think about it very much. Well, I really don't think about this. How hard must it be if you're a farmer and you're growing grains that are themselves gluten-free? But when you get to the end of the harvest, you find out you have so much ryegrass in that field when it was all harvested, the weeds went along with it, of course, and you end up with an unfortunate gluten-like protein predominance that comes from the ryegrass, which ruins your gluten-free flour. Now, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a gluten-free person. There, I, I, I've talk, talked before about the fact that gluten has, gluten-free has kind of taken over and in a lot of places, and that's not necessarily, for those of us who really like a piece of whole wheat bread, it's very difficult to, to put up with this. But there are an awful lot of people who are gluten intolerant, I realize, and I probably need to bake bread anyway. Right, up, right after I learn to make mozzarella cheese, I'll probably do that. Now, how do we do, what, what are they going to do? They don't, what they don't want to do, of course, is go in and put out herbicides because there aren't that many that are effective on ryegrass that wouldn't hurt the other grain anyway. But they're trying also to figure out how much of a problem it is, and so therefore, it's again, it's a matter of not eliminating, but working with the pest in this case, which is ryegrass. We like our ryegrass, but they can't tolerate it in this situation. So they're just, they've found a method now to detect them. Previously, they just didn't know why the flowers were no good when they ended up getting them tested. But if these proteins do cause reactions, and apparently they do, then it's important to develop the tests to make sure that they're not creating bigger problems than they're trying to solve. Interesting stuff. Um, I, I love this. This is annual This is annual ryegrass. This is not the perennial rye, of course, that we grow as our overseeding grass. And it is important to, to make that differentiation because both things exist. But when you go in the fall to buy a, a bag of ryegrass to oversow, for instance, if you have a new house and the lawn's not that thick yet, or you're trying to keep an area from eroding before you can plant it next spring, all of those things, that's where perennial ryegrass comes in. Yes, we do fertilize it a time or two, um, and then we also turn right around and mow it a time or two to let those grass blades fall back in and give it some fertilizer again. Um, it can make a beautiful stand. It's different from annual rye, which is the cereal rye, and very different in the way that it invades these particular places. That's something. Not exactly sure what I would do if I were the farmer, but I know I'd want them to figure out these tests. That is for sure. Who knew? Who knew? Four-legged critters run faster than two-legged critters. Okay. They run faster than eight-legged critters, too, apparently. This is a race I would like to see at the State Fair, but I don't think I'm going to. What we worked on here was that based on the calculations, the algorithm that from the University of Cologne, they have determined why humans cannot keep up with the fastest sprinters in the animal kingdom, you know, the, the, the cats. We can't keep up with them. But we actually need to understand that we don't keep up with the spiders either. In this particular case, the giant spider from the Lord of the Rings schlob would be going at 38 miles an hour running. You and I can't run that fast. Even even 
Usain Bolt doesn't run that fast, okay? <laughs> He's the world champion. Actually, we have to see who will be after the Tokyo Olympics. But anyway, um, what characteristics work? How are the main characteristics that determine all this? What is the core of the work? How are we going to do this? It's all about propulsive leg force. And not having more doesn't necessarily fix it. Having, having more doesn't necessarily give you a faster speed. It's the way that it all works together. That's why you and I don't run with our hands. All right, my friends. We have blown past a quick hour of weekend gardening, but we got more to go. Please stick around. Call Aunt Maud. Tell her put on a glass of iced tea and let's talk. Your business may be classified as small to mid-size, but you view it as an empire and naturally want it to succeed. Do you have the proper tools in place to efficiently utilize the staff who handles administration of your HR, payroll, time, and benefits? Without changing current processes and proper training, payroll technology alone cannot solve these problems. By utilizing the iSolve platform, MWG Employer Services can create new processes and properly train your staff to maximize the efficiency of this technology. For more information, visit MWGEmployerServices.com. Prevention providers such as insurance agents and doctors are necessary, but they're not free. Another is 811. By calling 811 before you dig, pull a stump, or erect a mailbox, you could be preventing a call to 911. This service is free, and free is a beautiful thing. Hello, I'm Sam Johnson from Mississippi 811. Call 811 two days before you dig, and let's have zero damages, zero injuries. Do you suffer from allergies, sinus or respiratory problems, or just want to improve the quality of air you breathe in your home or business? Pure Air Consultants can help. As your indoor environmental specialist, we clean air ducts, install UV lights, and service all makes and models of heating and cooling systems. We offer the most dependable Energy Star qualified systems in the industry. Call Pure Air Consultants today, 601-939-7420. A proud provider of Ream Home AC Systems. <laughs> Are you feeling it? <sighs> The new degree of comfort. What if there was a paint that could awaken something as old as that Rip Van Winkle guy? Hey, what? Because it could adhere to the most weathered exteriors and completely restore its youth. Hey, there's hair on my head again! If a paint could give any time-worn surface stunning new life, is it still paint? Regal Select Exterior from Benjamin Moore. Paint like no other. Seabrook Paints in Jackson and Ridgeland. Visit SeabrookPaints.com. You're listening to WFMN Flora Jackson, Super Talk Mississippi. Powered by your tree professionals at Baroni's Tree Pros. 601-345-8090. I'm Andy Davis, and you're listening to Super Talk Mississippi News. Cases of the Delta variant are exploding across Mississippi. Dr. Jennifer Bryan with the State Medical Association says it's taking a toll on health care workers. Unfortunately, our, our manpower is low. We've got health care workers that are tired and worn out. Some have gotten sick and, and left health care. So it's a difficult situation in health care right now, and we're just asking everyone to please do their part and vaccinate. Bryan says the Delta variant is still coronavirus, but 
it's twice as contagious as the original. And as lawmakers consider potential marijuana legislation, one state representative told Paul Gallo on Supertalk Mississippi this week his district supports it for recreational purposes. My district voted almost 80% for it. They ready to get high. They ready to smoke some weed, Paul. <laughs> they didn't vote for marijuana because it's medical. They voted for it because they want to smoke it. Representative Michael <laughs> Evans, also known as Big Country, serves Kemper, Lauderdale, Neshoba, and Winston counties. I'm Andy Davis. How did Mississippi Farm Bureau Federation impact rural broadband internet? In January of 2019, Governor Phil Bryant signed a law allowing our state's 25 electrical cooperatives to offer high-speed internet options. Mississippi Farm Bureau Federation lobbied in support of this bill to improve the quality of life for all Mississippians. Because when Mississippi thrives, we all thrive. You can bet the farm on it. To learn more about the Mississippi Farm Bureau Federation, visit us online at msfb.org. Do you ever feel like you are in the dark? Well, with a propane generator, you'll never be in the dark again, at least when the lights go out. Enjoy the comfort and safety of knowing you have a propane generator always ready when the electricity goes out. Propane generators assure you will always have power. Propane-fueled, clean cooking. Hot water on demand, warm and consistent heat and power when you need it most. Why would you choose anything else? Propane, clean American energy. Visit MSPropane.com today. In May of 2020, Burl King was tapped by Governor Tate Reeves to lead the Mississippi Department of Corrections. To say he had a big job ahead is an understatement. Kane said their ultimate goal is moral rehabilitation and keeping gangs off the streets. Moral people don't steal your lawnmower. We're to correct deviant behavior. So if we can get them to become moral, you're safer in the community. And then back to the gangs, if we don't parole the gangs out of prison, they can't join up with these gangs in town to make them stronger and more violent. So we need to keep the gangs in the prison. If we're going to have gangs, don't put them on the street. And as summer winds down, will gas prices decline? Fuel analyst Trilby Lundberg gives her prediction. Seasonally, our demand comes down, especially after August. But the supply imbalance includes very high stocks for gasoline vis-a-vis -vis demand. Demand has been weak all year, actually, versus a normal year of 2019. For Super Talk Mississippi News, I'm Andy Davis. From Sports Mississippi, I'm Dixon Williams. The last Saturday in July means that the first Saturday of college football season is not too far away. And the conference media days have been concluded, and Alabama is the pick in the Southeastern Conference to win the 2021 SEC Championship, according to the media at SEC Media Days. They're picked to win the West, followed by Texas A&M, LSU, Ole Miss is picked fourth in the West, Auburn, Arkansas, and Mississippi State is picked seventh in the West. Georgia is favored to win the East, followed by Florida in the Southeastern Conference East Division. In Conference USA, the Southern Miss Golden Eagles are picked fourth in the West Division. In the Conference USA, UAB is picked to win the West Division. In Conference USA, Marshall the East Division. And Marshall is the overall pick to win the 2021 Conference USA Championship. I'm Dixon Williams, and this is Super Talk Sports Mississippi. If you're building a new home or remodeling an older home, Amazing Propane is for you. A propane tankless water heater, a propane generator, a propane gas grill and oven, propane fireplaces, even lighting. Propane, such a versatile, clean, cost-effective source of energy for any home. Propane, clean American energy. Visit MSPropane.com to learn more. 
Typically, we here at Keep Mississippi Beautiful like to share positive news with you, but not today. Litter is on the rise in our state and we need your help. Please put trash in its proper place and make sure you aren't accidentally littering items from the back of your truck. Protect the road, secure your load, because trash blows. Do your part to keep Mississippi beautiful. Learn more at keepmsbeautiful.org. The Mississippi Sports Hall of Fame will induct the largest number of honorees ever tonight when the class of 2020 and the class of 2021 will enter the Hall of Fame together. Due to COVID-19 concerns last year, the class of 2020 was unable to hold their induction banquet, so 11 new members will be inducted into the Mississippi Sports Hall of Fame tonight when they have induction ceremonies at the Jackson Convention Complex beginning at 7 o'clock. And there will also be a Meet the Inductees opportunity this morning at 10 o'clock at the Mississippi Sports Hall of Fame and Museum. The class of 2020 includes Pete Brown, the first African-American winner of PGA Tour event, Larry Templeton, the longtime athletic director at Mississippi State, and Patrick Willis, former Ole Miss All-American and All-Pro linebacker of the San Francisco 49ers. The class of 2021 will include Debbie Brock, Delta State's three-time national women's championship. I'm Dixon Williams, and this is Super Talk Sports Mississippi. Welcome to Weekend Gardening with your host, the empress of everything green, Nellie Neal. Garden Mamas on the radio now to answer your questions and call you. Hello, baby. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome into Weekend Gardening. I don't know if you're here with me this morning, which happens to be the last Saturday of July of 2021, or perhaps you're listening to a rebroadcast, or perhaps you've got a podcast going. Maybe you've even taken me on demand, put me in your pocket, and carrying me around with you. I appreciate it. However, you decide that you want to be part of the green world, it makes all the difference in all of our lives. Quite frankly, you know it's not a house till you've planted it. Then it becomes a home, and that means. Not only the garden, of course, I'm talking about planting yourself in that house. And it it makes a big difference. That's how we figure out home. And sometimes home goes directly to, as we were referring previously in the in the hour before, the, the peach tree that, that one family, everybody propagated and only one of them lived, so they all go there to visit the tree. Sometimes we have that kind of a pilgrimage in our world. Other times we've got something brand new and we just have to show it off. Uh, that's part of being a gardener is wanting to talk about it and wanting to be aware of the world around us perhaps even be inspired to take better care of it. Uh, By that, I want to start with a story, a really quick story about Charles Darwin University, because I hardly ever talk about Charles Darwin University. That, of course, is um, in in Queensland. It's where the work is being done. But it's just the latest example of trying to learn more and having to develop the technology to be able to do that. These are the teeny tiny Mary River turtles and the teeny tiny sensors that are being put on them. The CDU's Research um, Institute for the Environment and Livelihoods, which I really think is a wonderful name. It's right up there with um, one of my very favorite titles, which is the, the, the professor of science for the public 
public good. You know, there there are a lot of titles that we don't necessarily appreciate, but that's, those are a couple we can really get into. Now, this is a unique, the difference in these sensors, all right? These particular sensors have a unique code that changes once it is activated, hold on, by the enzyme in the predator's stomach if the turtle gets eaten. Now, we're talking about tracing these turtles from, well, life to death, and that's part of doing it. What happens next? Um, what she's... What, <laughs> What, she, what they found out already, this particular researcher is reporting, most of the turtles are actually predated by oversized catfish that are native to the Mary River, and the population of fresh, these freshwater turtles is just about depleted. So they're hoping to find out what it is that's causing the population decline, that is to say, what's eating the turtles, and whether or not it is something they can do something about, like maybe more catfishing or some other solution that will come to be. Um, they would like to use it there, and of course, in Australia and, and many other places. Let's face it, we all know this is true, but no one says it until this particular researcher. Freshwater turtles get almost no attention. They're just not as sexy as big old sea turtles, all right? Those are the ones that we're interested in. And frankly, they're the ones you can see from the satellite in their colonies. We can't necessarily see all of the freshwater ones. But understanding the diminishing Mary River turtle population, understanding ways to revive the species, and also understanding how that can be applied to other places is very important research. I'm glad that they're letting us know about it. Trey is, uh, well... Okay, let's plant catnip, <laughs> then you get all the cats. It's true. Great picture, Trey. Thank you for that. Um, it, it, it's, kind of, it's, the, it's the cat equivalent of the slug trap that's a beer trap. All right, the beer can. You put the beer in the pie plate in the yard, and you get up in the morning, and you've, you're so proud because you've captured so many slugs that were in your garden. Well, there are people who follow slugs around, okay, just like there are people who follow everything else around one way, track them one way or another. And when the folks at Rodale, the organic gardening people, years and years ago did this research, then it was replicated in many other places because nobody believed it. You're actually bringing slugs from the neighbors, okay? If you put that beer trap out, you are putting out a sign that says, we're having a party over here. Come on down. It's a tailgate. You know, it, it, there's, there's beer, and that will, in turn, bring more slugs, and the ones that don't die then will then be in your garden. So a better approach, of course, is diatomaceous earth. We've talked about that before, and we can talk about it again if you need to. But um, the, the whole notion of, of, of trying to get an attractive thing, um, one of the things about growing cut flowers, for example, that is very similar to this, you can attract a whole boatload. We talk about trap crops. You can attract a whole boatload of bugs to amaranth. They will plant it on the edges of your flower field, and the bugs will stop there because they're devouring the amaranth. Well, the amaranth will go ahead and still bloom, and you just strip the ruined leaves off because you don't want them anyway necessarily in a flower arrangement. So it, it's a beneficial, sustainable way of trapping insects and yet still getting flowers. So there's a lot of balance in all of these things, that's for sure. <laughs> Speaking of balance, goodness gracious, I, I, I didn't realize we had this problem. I know that we hunt alligators here. I realize that that all happens, that you get your, you apply for your, your license and you're, you can do that, okay? But I also know that 
we had a situation where they were endangered at a time, and that's why they had to be left alone for a number of years. I, I never had alligator shoes myself, but my mother certainly did, and an alligator bag, too. And they were beautiful. Love that stuff. But what about the different kinds of crocodiles? Now, we think about crocodiles and, and alligators all at the same time, but they're different. Um Square noses, pointy noses, all those things, those are different, but other things are different about them too. And in fact, there are different kinds of crocodiles. In uh, the, the black and yellow freshwater crocodile is the, 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 cro- the Cuban croc, okay? But the Cuban croc is beginning to be, um, shall we say, limited. The, the Zapata Swamp is 93 miles southeast of Havana, and that's about it. Because, not necessarily because there's anybody doing anything to the crocodiles, but because they're so popular. Mm-hmm, that's right. The American crocodile, Crocodilus acutus, is both fresh and saltwater. All right, so it can live in the brack, and it can also live in the fresh or the salt. And a little, little too popular with the Cuban crocodiles. So the freshwater crocodile tendency is, or, or characteristic is being bred out of them by how many of them are mating with the American crocodile. So it's not necessarily a bad thing. It is a, a state, a, a step in evolution of a species. So we're watching it, according to the scientists, to try to determine whether this mixing of the gene pool is good or bad. Do we really need for the crocodiles to actually be able to go in salt and brackish and freshwater as well, or do we need to do something so that we can maintain that freshwater population? Stay tuned, because we don't know yet. <laughs> we don't know the answer. Oh, that's beautiful, and meridian century plants in full tilt, gigantic, tall, gorgeous bloom. That's just beautiful. It's about that time of year, isn't it? Something else you might not know about, um, but you probably need to. be interesting to know about, at least. How do bees pick their flowers? Hmm. Well, I was writing about this in the uh, made a note about this in the Garden Mama newsletter, and I do want to write about it some more later on. I, I am a, a caffeine person. I would, if I had, a, if I had to set a goal for myself for the next six months, it would be to drink one less cup of coffee a day or mug, and perhaps one more bottle of water. That would probably be a good thing. But in the uh, recent issue of current biology, researchers have showed us that bumblebees that feed, um, that get caffeine, are, are in turn better able to remember the smell of a specific flower and the nectar that is inside of it. Previous studies have shown us that bees like caffeine and that they will, in fact, frequently visit caffeinated flowers. Yes, there are caffeinated flowers. <laughs> there, there are, and indeed, um, that they'll, they'll, they're better at nectar gathering. I don't know what this says for us, but what they did was to set the individual bees loose in a flight area where they had to choose between two kinds of robotic flowers, the the distractor flowers of another color and odor or the strawberry odor that they were attracted to, that they'd already been exposed to. Well, if they hadn't learned the positive association, then they were likely to visit the two types of flower equally. But even though there was none to get here, 70% of the caffeinated bees visited the strawberry flowers first because there was a much higher chance that there would be caffeine there. (laughs) You wonder why there's a Starbucks on every corner. (laughs) Brenda from Goche, what's going on today? 
My cat just jumped on my big aloe plant. Oh, my goodness. She broke off two large limbs, about 10, 11 inches long. Can I reroot those? Probably. The, the way to do it, because aloe is so succulent, um, is going to be to lay it out for a day and let it callus over on the bottom. You know, because you don't want to, it's it's a very wet stem, and what we need for it to do is be exposed to air, not not sunlight, not not out outdoors necessarily, but just on your kitchen counter, for instance. Light's fine, but you don't need it to be in the direct sun. You don't want it to dry out. You just want it to begin to callus over, and after that, they should root. Okay, like tomorrow. Maybe a day two, day or two. You'll look at them. What you'll see is that it'll begin to look a little bit different. It won't look as green. It it won't be brown or dead or anything. It just won't look quite as green, and you'll know the callus is forming. Okay, thank you. I have to ask you, how hot is it in Goche today? Uh, well, the Lord won't let me say, but that's how hot it is. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Brenda. That was perfect. See you later. Thanks. <laughs> Ah, so true. So true. Oh, my goodness. Um, Andrea and Madison wants to know more about diatomaceous earth, and I'm happy to talk about that. Um, diatomaceous earth, of course, is you, you buy it in a bag, and um, oftentimes it will have a, a little scoop in it if it's a big bag. I don't mean like 10 pounds. I mean like 2 pounds, you know, just a good-sized bag of it. Um, diatomaceous earth has an unusual quality. It is fossilized diatoms, sea creatures, and they have been dried out, their fossils have been harvested, rather, they're dried out, and then they are ground up. And diatomaceous earth is a incredibly, if you look at it under the electron microscope, it's just beautiful. The pictures that I have seen, I've never actually looked at it, I don't have an electron microscope, and I probably couldn't see in most of them anyway, because my eyesight's not very good that way. But I do love looking at the photographs that have been taken of it. And they're very sharp, very diamond-like in, in that sense, and you, you see that they have many, 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 many edges. That's what you don't want to, you, you don't want to rub those on your hands. I use gloves when I work most of the time in the garden. But even if you don't, if you're going to handle diatomaceous earth, it would be a good idea to put on a pair of garden gloves because if you happen to have a cut or one that you don't even know you have, like a paper cut that might have been there for a couple of days, you'll get that diatomaceous earth in there, and it will burn. It will hurt because it's little tiny knives. So what you're going to do is put it where the around new plants that you've planted like for instance my my classic thought is the the test that I once had the joy of doing where we put diatomaceous earth around the petunia plants and we didn't put it around the other petunia plants that were no more than two feet away and the ones that were two feet away of course got slugged out (laughs) the slugs found them and loved every minute of it but they wouldn't cross or couldn't cross the diatomaceous earth so that's what it's for it's a physical barrier that makes a big difference in the way that crawling insects can get to where you need them to be. Okay? Okay. That's as good as I can say. Oop, Greg's already back. Let's see. He says, uh, there's, 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 there's jokes to be made. Yes, thank you, Greg. Appreciate that. <laughs> That's funny. Now, I don't know about you, but I've really been excited and intrigued to start some seeds now, because I'm so looking forward to the fall garden, I hope that you're into it, or at least that you're going out and shopping about. Um, I, I did see I was I was um, out getting some potting soil this week and elements, and and I ran into 
a whole rack full of sweet potato cuttings. You know, it's the slips that are ready to, and I was, it's, it's late, but oh, I was so tempted because sweet potatoes are so much fun to grow. If it had been a variety I hadn't grown before, I probably would have tried it. So you're going to find things at this time of the year. There are lots and lots of herbs that have been growing all summer that would love to go home with you and get into a container. And those are the ways that we can spruce things up and also make more of a container. For example, if you have a big container, a couple of things have died in it, then go get some herbs. You don't have to start annuals. You don't have to wait for pansies, and you don't have to start annuals. If you don't want to, you can go and get some herb plants and put them in there. So it's a good way to go, adds a little greenery, won't hurt your, your cooking efforts either. And I, so I think that that's a really good way to go. I'm growing right now. Um, I am planting, I did plant a basil, which is really unusual for me. I don't do that at this time of the year. But I have a container, one that's intended to be grown in containers. And so I'm going to plant it and then grow it in the salad table that I'm lucky enough to have um, because of the Pine Belt Master Gardeners, and I'm going to make I have a cover for that section of the table so that when it does get cold, if they are making it and still growing, I'll be able to protect them a little bit. But there's a long time on that. A lot of basil, particularly because this is a big leaf basil, what I'm hoping is that I'll have enough foliage to harvest by maybe before Thanksgiving, certainly, and then be able to put those in the freezer because you know how I love my basil in the freezer. It's one of those one of those herbs that's easy to keep. Easy, easy to keep. What are what in the world are we doing about the whole business of reproducing plants? We have talked so much about how different it is, how much the supply lines have affected us, how much COVID has affected us as gardeners in terms of being able to get what we want. And that's true just about all over the place, all right? New study from the University of Georgia, though, is telling us how plants respond to successful environmental conditions that are actually presented by the changing climate. In other words, there are some things that are Um, doing a little better because they're having more water. There's some things that are doing better in the drier areas, too. And also, the higher temperatures don't make everything mad. Some of the plants that they're working on in this big, big, big test group, the the idea is that climate change has an impact. But what they found, and they were trying to decide, trying to look at whether the stress of climate changing in in a particular area of a plant's native range makes it more likely to propagate or less likely to propagate, okay? And what they found is this, they did this over six years out in the Rocky Mountains, so it's pretty wonderful. The lowest elevation sites, they found pronounced costs of reproduction. Difficult, difficult, difficult. On the other hand, a little further up, the mid-elevations where we keep talking about plants kind of moving themselves up, there's a reason for that. They were able to propagate themselves better even if they were originally plants from the warmer, from, from the lower elevation. They could handle the warmth if it was at higher elevation. Something to think about. Maybe that's why all those beautiful wildflowers in the Aspen Valley bloom all summer and can stand the freeze. I don't know. Something to think about. This is Weekend Gardening. Your business may not be a Fortune 500 company yet. 
You've worked hard to grow your business to where it is today, but are the manual processes that worked when you were smaller now eating into your man hours? As an iSolve network provider, MWG Employer Services can help you save time and money by streamlining the processes of administration of your HR, payroll, time, and benefits, as well as training your personnel to efficiently manage your human capital through one platform. Want to find out more? Visit MWGEmployerServices.com. Prevention providers such as insurance agents and doctors are necessary, but they're not free. Another is 811. By calling 811 before you dig, pull a stump, or erect a mailbox, you could be preventing a call to 911. This service is free, and free is a beautiful thing. Hello, I'm Sam Johnson from Mississippi 811. Call 811 two days before you dig, and let's have zero damages, zero injuries. This is Jack Hoffman. For nearly 31 years, Tico Steakhouse has been a staple of fine dining in Jackson, Mississippi. Dad has long since desired for me to come work alongside him. And now that I'm here, I would like to invite you to come experience our family tradition of our hospitality, sizzling steaks, and healthy poured beverages. Our dining rooms are open and we are taking reservations. Our private rooms are also available along with takeout. Call today or stop in to experience Tico's in the second generation. Tico's Steakhouse, East County Lime Road in Ridgeland, 601-956-1030. Attention! If you deal with anything from minor to extremely hazardous environmental spills, you've got to check out the full line of absorbents at ESI Supply. They've got white and gray absorbent pads by the bundle or by the roll, sock knit broom products, oil gator, oil dry, spill kits, and more. Just because you haven't had a spill doesn't mean you won't. Give the guys at ESI a call to find out more about how you can be prepared and protect your business's liability. 601-933-4910. That's 601-933-4910. Or visit ESISupply.net. Have you wanted to speak a new language but thought it'd be too difficult or take too much time? Then try Babbel. In just 15 minutes a day, Babbel teaches you conversations that you will actually use. With 14 languages and lesson topics like travel, business, relationships, and more, you'll learn what matters most to you. Babbel. Language for life. Learn a new language with ease. Go to Babbel.com to try for free. That's B-A-B-B-E-L.com. Selling your vehicle? We'll buy it. Need to put it on our lot? We'll consign it. Just need a new ride for the new you? We'll trade it. Pinnacle Motors needs you and your vehicle. Steve Owen and the friendly staff of Pinnacle Motors is buying, consigning, and trading quality pre-owned cars, trucks, and SUVs at the corner of Highway 471 at Baker Lane and Vine Street in Brandon and online at PinnacleMotorsLLC.com. That's PinnacleMotorsLLC.com. Pinnacle Motors needs you and your vehicle. Quality vehicles, affordable prices. Pinnacle Motors. I'm Andy Gibson, your Commissioner of Agriculture and Commerce. You can support Mississippi's many talented farmers, artisans, and craftsmen by purchasing products with a genuine Mississippi logo. And that's the proof it's the real deal. To find products grown, raised, crafted, and made in our great state, just visit GenuineMS.com or visit the Genuine Mississippi store at the Mississippi Farmers Market every Monday through Friday, 11 to 1, and Saturdays, 8 to 1. I'm Andy Gibson, and I am Genuine Mississippi. Research shows moving is one of life's most stressful events, but thanks to Two Men in a Truck Ridgeland, it doesn't have to be. We have everything you need, a professional team who will customize your move, a schedule to fit your convenience Monday through Saturday, and all of the necessary moving supplies, including free padding and stretch wrap to protect your belongings. Don't stress, let Two Men in a Truck handle your home or business moving needs. Visit twomenandatruck.com for a free, no obligation estimate. 
Welcome into Weekend Gardening. Oh, something about Elvin Bishop, you know, you just can't help it. Big gardener, big gardener. Hey, now, do you grow corn? Hmm. Well, folks who grow corn have been discovering, and not, not, not recently, but for a long time, that in lower nitrogen areas, and believe you me, nitrogen's expensive when it comes to applying it to corn. Think about it. It, it turns out that we're... We're having a hard time growing strong enough corn on a large enough basis for all the things we want to use corn for. Now, of course, there's fresh corn, there's there's um, canned corn, there's frozen corn. Then we get off into the whole world of feed corns and fuel corns, and I mean, corn's a big deal, and it uses nitrogen. If you you think about anything else in the world, you think about nitrogen being associated with leaves. And if you think about the fact that many corn plants are six or seven feet tall, that's a lot of nitrogen. Every single one of them has to be full of green, all right, in order for the corn to make, in order for the corn to fill, in order for you to have corn. Well, so the folks at Penn State, big horticulture school, as you probably know, have been working on what? What can we do? We've got issues. We've got drier soils. We've got less rainfall in some places. We've got more rainfall in some places where people try to grow corn. And so on a five-year average, the corn is not doing as well as it should. One of the pieces of this particular research that has been going on for longer than that is to try and figure out how to get the corn to grow deeper to find where the nitrogen is. This affects a lot of plants, as you may well know. If we can get the, because obviously as we build our soil profile, we've got nitrogen in there. Otherwise, there wouldn't be any microlife. There would not be, you know, sow bugs and pill bugs and earthworms and all the microflora, microbiota uh, too, that they in turn eat, that in turn feed the plants and feed the soil. Okay? We have to have all of this working together. It's a balance. But we got to get the corn's roots and other plant roots down where they can get to the nitrogen. Well... My goodness, Penn State, leave it to them. They have shown that they found the gene, the one gene, that regulates the angle of root growth in corn so that they can put it into breeding deeper rooting corns. How much sense does that make? How simple does that sound? This is a career's worth of work to get to this point. It it is a moniker that indicates where it's located on the genome um, and how it functions. I love this name, ZMCIPK15. You're not going to put that on a T-shirt. But at the same time, it was found to be missing in naturally occurring mutations of corn that grow their roots at angles that that make them grow deeper into the soil. So what they did was to identify the one that controls the angle is important because obviously the deeper roots are more efficient when it comes to reaching the nitrogen that they need. In contrast, for example, um, countries like Africa that are very dependent even more so than we are on corn, the soils are naturally nitrogen deficient and nitrogen fertilizer is expensive. Okay, you can't you can compost a whole lot of stuff, but if you're growing fields and fields and fields and fields and fields of corn, it sure would be easier if the seed created a corn that made deeper roots to get to what's naturally there. You're still going to have to amend the soil, but it wouldn't be at the level 
or with the rapidity that the, the often and often. So I really like that. It's fascinating stuff. And of course, it has implications all over the place because if we can get plants, just as we have come to understand over time that the levels of phosphorus and potassium may or may not be what we need. We need to test for those things. We need to pay attention to what we're actually putting into the soil. Nitrogen is the same way. We think of nitrogen as being highly soluble and going away, but of course it is in the deeper levels of soil. It lives there, and we're encouraging it if we do the right stuff. So that's pretty exciting. Um, I promised I would quote Sandra Bullock. Her birthday is uh, coming up, uh, has just happened, I'm sorry, was um, July 26th. Um, I think Sandra Bullock is a very interesting person. I don't know her. I've never met her, never worked on one of her movies. But I, I, I find in her career and in her choices and in what she produces to be a very singular woman. So I like that this is one of her watch. She has several different really pithy quotes that tell you who she is. This is one of them. I'm a true believer in karma. You get what you give, whether it's bad or good. Now, I, I would not like to be on the bad end of anything coming from Sandra Bullock, but I can tell you that coming from the, the good parts of it, I, I think maybe she's building up some good karma. She's made some really wise choices in her life. And that's, of course, for those of you who don't know what karma is, karma is an Eastern understanding of what we see. Everything from, from I, I always associate this with Sir Isaac Newton, okay, um, whether it's the, what goes down, what goes up must come down, um, as above, so below. You can, you can cite all sorts of people to give you the notion that there's yin, there's yang, there's two parts to everything. And karma has both of those things. Good accelerates good. Evil accelerates evil. We know that. And that's what karma is all about, is it isn't like a scorecard necessarily, but you can think of it that way if you want to. I don't have any problem with that. Who are the leaders of the uh, the next generation, do you suppose? We're learning more and more about um, cognitive leadership prototypes, that is to say the people that people will actually listen to and follow and, and give good feedback to but not be intimidated by. Those are all things that leadership in leadership demands. Um, it's interesting. The University of California, Riverside, we, we've heard this all our lives, um, that the, the, the sexist stereotypes mean that women are too emotional, which is a buzzword, and you know what I'm talking about, for effective leadership. But a surprising new study shows that, in fact, that's not true. What a surprise! <laughs> Andy says, he's on the uh, ceasefire text line, by the way, where you can be, 601-879-4395. Uh, I have hybrid thornless blackberry bushes. I want to relocate. What's the best time to do that? Not right now. Um, if you want to move fruits, I really believe that fall is going to be better. I would I would certainly prepare the new site. If you haven't already, do that this summer early in the morning right now <laughs> but because you know, it's too hot to work out there in the afternoon but um, give yourself a place to be give yourself to um, a, a place to work to put them and if you have to dig them up if there's something going on that's causing you to have to move them I would containerize them or I would heal them in and that means that you've got a, a pile of compost or a, a pile of soil that you're, you're not using for something else and you literally just plant them in there but loosely with just a shovel's full of dirt covering their roots so that you can have them there, keep them watered until you're ready to transplant to the place that you want them to grow. Okay? Yes, every action has a reaction. That's true. That's a lot. Um, that, that, that's a piece of the scientific 
pieces of karma, because when you do something, something else always happens. Unfortunately, sometimes when you don't do something, something else happens. <laughs> we, every action has a reaction. Unfortunately, every inaction can also be said to have that, too. Um, to, to be effective, leaders have to perform the emotional labor, and it's not always easy to do. By that, they, they're talking about um, things like understanding the task and also understanding the, the, the resources of the people that you're supervising, who's better at what, who can learn, who needs to do what they do and be doing just that, all those different assessments. The empathy that is an element, of course, in leadership is very important. And the ability to be calm in the face of craziness is very, very important. If, if we can avoid changing who we are based on what's around us. Um, one of the nicest things I think you can say about someone is that they're the same person no matter who's in the room and that it's a person you'd want to be around as opposed to somebody you can't stand. But the idea that you can be with kings and, 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 and presidents and senators and, and, and you know giant fancy people, as, as we call them out here in the world, or you could be in the room with me, you'd still be the same person. I like that. I, I'm afraid that I would be tempted to be a little quieter in the presence of greatness, but um, maybe I can get over that. I don't know. Woo! Talk about greatness. My goodness. Yes, Andy, late fall will work. But but get get the soil ready now while you can. Okay? All right. I hate it when a pretty bug causes big trouble. I always want to see Japanese beetles, for example, as art because they are so beautiful. The spotted lanternfly is gorgeous. Unfortunately, this is really bad. They, the first, this is a, an in, invasive, not born here, destructive, tears up everything, eats everything, grapes and apples and hops and maple and walnut, all these things that are in New York. And the spotted lanternfly is unfortunately spreading and making its presence known there. The first major infestation was detected on Staten Island, in Staten Island, August 2020. Apparently that's where it got started. But two months ago, uh, a population of them was found out in Rockland County, which is a great distance away in relative terms of insects. But it's also been found in Ithaca, in Port Jervis, in Slopesburg, all over the place. Now, this this tree this this tree eating insect prefers um, <laughs> everything's got a preference I guess I was just thinking how funny that is to say because it will eat everything but it likes tree of heaven the best um, unfortunately it eats seventy different things so they're trying to work on um, the, there's going to be some real problem when it gets to the grape area did you even know they grew grapes in New York well yes they do and they're not bad the wines are not bad. <laughs> Some of them are quite famous, in fact. But I think that part of what we're trying to do in this case is get all those pictures out there, make, make everybody understand what this thing looks like and where to find it, because both the nymphs and adults have the, the piercing and sucking mouth parts. So that's a, a several different layers along the way if they don't die as they're you know because things hatch and they begin to feed piercing and sucking but then they also molt and get bigger and change larval stages and unfortunately they continue to do that same behavior so that means that they can cause the damage that makes those plants susceptible to other bugs and diseases everything from sooty mold you know to to 
any number of other things, but but the sooty mold is the first thing you think of. Um, Cornell University is keeping the early detection on the top of their list, and believe you me, um, I'm I'm sorry that they're really pesky because they are just beautiful. They're spotted lanternflies. They are shaped like a lantern, and they're spotted. They're adorable. They're bright red. I hope never to have to have any. Goodness gracious. Um, oh my goodness, I I feel like. Corinne's in Jackson. Corinne, I feel like you have been in my yard. Is this not the is this not the Autumn Joy sedum in my back garden? Because <laughs> it looks just like it. Hers is flopped over, and so is mine. I think what happens with a succulent plant like this particular sedum, which tends to be about oh a foot and a half tall anyway, by the time it gets its flower heads on, and they do usually stand up. I looked at mine yesterday, and I wondered if my cat had laid down on it, but now Corinne is is, is telling me that it's, in fact, a horticultural problem, not an animal control problem. Um, But in this case, what happens is that the stems, the leaves get so full of water that the stems can't support them. And then they bloom, okay, and the whole thing just topples. And that's why they're flattened out like that. Um, I'm intending at my place to cut some flowers and, and, and enjoy them in their kind of, they're not pink yet. They don't, they ripen that way. I mean, they mature that way, of course. They start out white, and then they get a little bit brownish and a little bit pinkish, and they're, they're very pretty. But I'm going to cut some of them to try and take some of the weight off the plant, and I would advise you to do that, too. Um, I'm, I'm glad I don't have to get the cat in trouble, because they really do look like that. They look like a cat sat on the middle of the plant, and all of the stems are just laid out around it. But we are seeing more things like that, um, because it's just so... Um, it's just been such a different sort of summer, and those 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 succulent leaves do take up an awful lot of water. They'll take up all that's available to them, and in this case, these your your leaves are large like mine, and more of them, and then the flowers bloom and they just collapse. It's really something, and it is shade. Yes, I, I have I don't have as much shade as you do. Mine are just taller and fatter and fallen over. Let's see. Um, I don't know who this is. Okay, we'll say Mary and Madison because we don't know. I have a side yard that is heavily shaded. The clover and weeds are just choking my grass out. Should I go with a fertilizer to kill the weeds or try to grow the grass? If it's heavily shaded, it's not going to grow. This is the annual expression. You can't roller skate in a buffalo herd and you can't grow lawn grass in the shade. However, you can grow an awful lot of other really spiffy ground covers. And I suggest that you you, you look at a juga or um, if you want a taller one, we can get into Marlboros, Mar- Marberries, rather. Um, there's a bunch of things that you can do in there. We'll talk about that. Take some more questions. We'll talk about whatever you're doing, what I'm doing. We might even find out what Daniel's doing in his garden. Okay? All right. Stick around. This is Weekend Garden. Everybody's got a thing But some don't know how to handle it Always reaching out in vain Just taking the things not worth having But don't you worry about a thing Don't you worry about a thing, mama Hey, y'all. 
Let's take some pride and get it together for Mississippi. Many of our highways and roads are just covered in litter. Put trash in its proper place. And if you drive a truck, remember, trash blows. Be sure to secure your load. Please do your part to keep Mississippi beautiful. Learn more at keepmsbeautiful.org. That's keepmsbeautiful.org. Remember, always protect the road, secure your load. Do you ever feel like you are in the dark? Well, with a propane generator, you'll never be in the dark again, at least when the lights go out. Enjoy the comfort and safety of knowing you have a propane generator always ready when the electricity goes out. Propane generators assure you will always have power. Propane-fueled, clean cooking. Hot water on demand, warm and consistent heat, and power when you need it most. Why would you choose anything else? Propane. Clean American energy. Visit MSPropane.com today. I'm Lauren McGraw with Gotta Go. We've got hand-washing stations with soap, paper towels, and water, and we've also got hand sanitizers to rent or sell. Please give us a call, 601-879-3969. Does your body hurt? Have you tried unsuccessful treatments for plantar fasciitis, tennis elbow, shoulder pain, or IT band? Innovative Health Clinic, formerly Acoustic Wave Treatment Center, offers an affordable non-surgical solution through acoustic wave therapy. The beneficial effects of acoustic wave therapy are often experienced after only one or two treatments. The therapy eliminates pain and restores mobility, improving your quality of life. Schedule your appointment at 601-944-5585 or online at InnovativeHealthClinic.net. Now taking same-day appointments. When you choose Roto-Rooter, you'll get honest estimates and no-hassle guarantees so you can get it fixed quickly and enjoy peace of mind. We're there for you 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, day and night, holidays, and weekends. We've been providing service to Mississippi for over 80 years. Call the original Roto-Rooter, 601-353-3333. Mention this ad to receive $25 off any service. Call Roto-Rooter, that's the name. Got a winkle troubles down the drain. Roto-Rooter. I struggled with symptoms like frequent gas and stomach pain for years. I was bloated all the time with daily diarrhea. At first, I thought it was what I was eating. I kept thinking it was stomach issues. So I did my research and talked to my doctor, and we finally uncovered the truth. It, it was, was actually EPI. Exocrine pancreatic insufficiency, or EPI, is a condition where your pancreas is unable to help break down your food. It can lead to symptoms like diarrhea, gas, bloating, stomach pain, unexplained weight loss, and oily stools. And EPI symptoms can be confused with those of other common digestive conditions like irritable bowel syndrome, Crohn's, and celiac disease. So getting to the right diagnosis meant being more open with my doctor about the severity of my symptoms and how often they were happening. But there's good news. EPI is manageable, so don't wait any longer. Use the symptom checker at identifyepi.com and schedule a visit or call with your doctor to ask, Could, could I, I have, have EPI? EPI? Sponsored by AbbVie. The best made-to-order lunch in Northeast Jackson is at 4th & Gold Sports Cafe. The wings, the chicken tenders and bites, fried or grilled, and the best specialty pizzas in the metro. Call 769-208-8283. That's 769-208-8283. 769-208-8283. What if there was a paint that could awaken something as old as that Rip Van Winkle guy? What? Because it could adhere to the most weathered exteriors and completely restore its youth. Hey, there's hair on my head again. If a paint could give any time-worn surface stunning new life, is it still paint? Regal Select Exterior from Benjamin Moore. Paint like no other. 
Seabrook Paints in Jackson and Ridgeland. Visit SeabrookPaints.com. tickle me. Thank you so much for doing that. Perkinston, Mississippi, Ken Johnson. It's a kickback listening to Garden Mom every Saturday. That looks really comfy. I'm telling you, that's a good place to be. Nice flip-flops, too. <laughs> oh, what a good day to be watching things grow as opposed to out, say, running the tiller. We don't need to be doing that today, that's for sure. Some other things on the ceasefire uh, text line today. Beautiful, Andy. Your garden just looks great. Thank you very, very much. I'm so happy. He's he's used a corner of his backyard, and it's just gorgeous. That's lovely. What is this flower from Canton? Um, this is going to be... Is that Jane? I think that's Jane. Yeah, Janet, rather. I'm sorry, Janet. Uh, That's Naked Lady, or more technically Surprise Lily, or more technically Lycoris squamigera. It's related to the red spider lily that will come up in about a month, and both of them are triggered by the amount of rainfall that, that happens finally when it gets to be the right situation for them. They have to have cool springs, and then they have to have warm summers with rainfall, and then they, they come up on their naked stem with the flower at the top, which is why they're called naked ladies. And then they, the flower dies back, and then they put on their leaves. If you want to dig some up and um, put them from one place to another or give them to somebody else or relocate them in your garden, um, that's fine to do, but do that when they have leaves as opposed to when they have flowers. I know having said that, there are people out there today digging them up in flower. <laughs> okay, I'm not going to tell you not to do that, but it's better from the bulb's point of view. I have to speak to you from the bulb's point of view. The bulb would rather that you waited a little while. Um, that good question about the side yard with all the shade and needing an alternative. I talked about a juga and uh, the bugleweed is the other name for that one. But I also want you to look at Carl Bell's. It's Hecara, H-E-U-C-H-E-R-A. The Hecaras are a huge family. Some are darker colors, some are lighter colors. Greens all the way to dark purples, different variegations and stuff. They will grow in shade, and even when they, the, if they, if there's a little bit of light, they'll bloom. If there's not, they'll they'll still grow and be beautiful leaves and do your real good job there. The other one that I would urge you to consider, um, except that I don't know where you live, is um, if you're if you're far enough south, to to be sure that you don't miss Ardesia, which is also called Christmas berry. It would be beautiful in that setting. It's about a two foot tall plant that has evergreen leaves on it. And in the middle of winter, it hangs its flowers and berries, and its flowers first, obviously, and then berries underneath those leaves. It's a very sweet plant. Let's see. Um, this is a big problem. Vines, blackberry-type vines growing up through the boxwood hedge. Our, our, our dear friend in, in Biloxi's got this problem. They're really not movable, and they will the, the, they'll outcompete the boxwood, so you're pretty much going to have to get them out of there. Um, cutting them down, cutting them down, cutting them down, pulling them up, pulling them up, pulling them up, if you can do it without disturbing the root system of the boxwood hedge. But that's a real problem. Um, it's a real big problem. And um, I have to look at that in a little while. Let's see. Um, do, 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 bop. All right. 
Okay, that's all good. We're caught up. We got caught up. That's good. Sometimes we do, sometimes we don't. Today we did. That's fun. All right. Now, um, I don't know if you've noticed this, but animal studies sometimes really tell us more about people than they do about the animals that they've studied. And uh, that's kind of fun. Uh, in, in, its, in a way, it, it's sort of that we're all here on the earth, you know, creatures and plants and, 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 and critters, we've we got to pay attention. But when these animal studies really tell us a lot more than we want to know, sometimes we sort of put them aside, you know. In this case, we're looking at higher measured levels of anxiety in people since the pandemic. Some of that is from being at home with your family. Some of that is not knowing if you can be at home with your family because they're ill. Some of it is simply the grind of changing from going to your office every day to having to figure out how to work from your basement or your attic or wherever you can put up the Zoom situation. Um, there's all sorts of things that have changed. Some people have been unable to earn a living. Some people have found themselves in more desperate situations than others. So what they did was... Um, to measure, and, and starting from what we already knew, Indiana University School of Medicine examined how the biological factors that we have, you know, this is where you get to say that men and women are different. Yes, we are. We're, we're not different in some of the ways people think we're different, but we are different biologically, certainly. The team studied both male and female models to understand the biological responses related to anxiety by each sex. Well, Unfortunately, it founds, when there's, they found that men tend to have, or males tend to have more generalized anxiety, you know, the, the, the searching, the, the trying to figure out what's wrong thing, or trying to do something about it without exactly knowing what it is, trying to panacea, trying to put an, an answer to it. That's a very effective thing, because if you don't have any food, you need somebody that's going to go get some food. You know, those are, those are very practical concerns. But what they found was that women, now this is not people with anxiety disorders, this is just people, okay? Women tend to, when there's a more specific thing to focus on, we tend to actually focus and have higher anxiety, than the male does. So in other words, we're all anxious, we're just anxious about different things often. And what that does, of course, is to tell us and try and understand that how much more complex it is in us um, than it is in our dog that we're lying to, you know, or our cat that's staring at us. But it is important for us to get, understand the biological part, but the other things are very, very complicated too. I'm really happy that they're studying this. Um, they found that males and females are just very different in their reactions, and it comes down to how specific um, it is. And uh, by the food analogy, I would say that the if 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 the baby is hungry and there's no food that the baby can eat, the woman is going to more be more highly anxious than perhaps the man would be who would say, well, let's just grind this up and feed it to them. Let's figure out something. Let's take that. Let's take an approach and and fix the problem. Whereas women would tend to worry more about the specifics of how that's going to come out in the long run. It takes both of those points of view, frankly, to run the world. So I'm not. I'm. I'm I come down on the side of both of us. We all need to be here to take care of ourselves and to take care of each other. It's very important, especially now, particularly now. I. Uh, I. I know that when I'm driving, I'm paying as much attention as I possibly can. But it turns out 
that it, you need to be looking, as we understand, down the road. You have to be aware that you're, you need to stop a car length or two behind the car in front of you, but you've also got to know what's happening with the ones ahead of you at the traffic light, right? We have to pay attention to both things at one time. Turns out bats are a lot better at it than we are. <laughs> Maybe we need to get them to drive the cars. I don't know. The ability to focus on where we will be in the immediate future, right, rather than where we are right this minute, is a key characteristic of mammal brains, and that's what gives us a navigation system in the first place. That's how we can find out where we are and where we're going. Fortunately, we have some of that. But the bats just do it better. <laughs> I think that's kind of fun. I'm, I'm glad that they have so much uh, to say for us. More beautiful photographs. How wonderful. Go squash. <laughs> that's great. This is a good year. This has been a very good year for squash in my estimation. Certainly looks like it. Um, I think that this week will be full of figuring out what to do about things. I've got to take lots of pictures of this Snapdragon in case it never blooms again. I'm certainly going to be working on my tomatoes that are making tomatoes right now. And my tomatoes that are coming along, I hope, are going to make tomatoes pretty soon. But I don't know what you're doing. I sure do look forward to it, though, when we get back together again next week here on Weekend Gardening. Weekend Gardening with the Garden Mama is a production of TeleSouth Communication. Your business may be classified as small to mid-size, but you view it as an empire and naturally want it to succeed. Do you have the proper tools in place to efficiently utilize the staff who handles administration of your HR, payroll, time, and benefits? Without changing current processes and proper training, payroll technology alone cannot solve these problems. By utilizing the iSouth platform, MWG Employer Services can create new processes and properly train your staff to maximize the efficiency of this technology. For more information, visit MWGEmployerServices.com. Y'all listen up. Have you seen all the litter on the sides of our roads? We need to all do our part to fight litter. Put trash in its proper place and make sure items in your truck beds are secure. Remember, trash blows. Secure your load. Please do your part to keep Mississippi beautiful. Learn more at keepmsbeautiful.org. That's keepmsbeautiful.org. Remember, always protect the road. Secure your load. Hey, I'm here with Alex Murray of Auto Innovation. At Auto Innovation, we want to change your car buying experience. When you're in the market for a quality pre-owned vehicle, please come see us. We want to make friends, not just customers. All eligible vehicles are inspected by a Master Tech mechanic and come with a limited powertrain warranty on us. We are located on Highway 51 in Ridgeland. Come by and see us or check out our inventory online at autoinnovation.net. Let us change your car buying experience. Auto Innovation, Highway 51 in Ridgeland. 
Are the trees and shrubs running your yard instead of you? Let the tree professionals at Baroni's Tree Pros take out your problem limb by limb. Baroni's Tree Pros is your complete tree, shrub, and stump removal service. No job is too big for the tree professionals at Baroni's Tree Pros. And with our superior cleanup, you can't go wrong. Baroni's Tree Pros, 601-345-8090. 601-345-8090. That's 601-345-8090. Or online at baroniestreepros.com. That's baroniestreepros.com. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.